I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today I'm joined in LA by my co-host Joe from our hometown of London and as usual we have a special guest for today's show. He's a YouTuber best known as one of the lads from the hugely popular Football Daily channel. He also works as a presenter for his favourite club Chelsea FC and for Sky Sports as well. We welcome Zach Jellub to the United Mates Football Podcast. Zach, it's a pleasure to have you with us. How's it going? Mate, thank you very much. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Smash my surname. Well, well done on that one. Um, yeah, no, really, really good. Thank you. Um, it's it's hot over here, but it's starting to get a little bit a little bit cooler today. Um, so yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Pretty good. Yeah, really, really hot over here. I've had to turn my fans off to get the best audio quality in for this call, <laughs> and I'm I'm paying for it in my sweat. But Joe. As we record on Wednesday, the 16th of June, the Premier League fixtures for next season have just been announced and your club Spurs are facing the reigning champions Man City on match day one. How are you doing? How are you feeling about that? And I think most importantly, which team is Harry Kane going to be playing for on that day? Uh. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, he's he's definitely going to be playing in that game one way or another. Um, yeah, God knows. It's it's going to go down to the wire that transfer. It sounds like Levy's going to, you know, do it, do a Levy. But uh, no, I'm good. I'm good, and I had my first vaccine today, so there we go. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all positive stuff there. But um, Zach, it is a pleasure to have you with us. And when um, when we have guests on our podcast, we always start by asking an icebreaker question. So we're going to do the same for you, of course. Okay. But, um, well, we've noticed recently, Zach, that there's a, there's a bit of a trend for sort of YouTubers to be getting quite high-profile fights at the moment. I'm thinking about <laughs> Logan Paul, Jake Paul, those. Yeah. He, he did his thing, and obviously you're you're a bit of a YouTuber yourself, Zach. So what what we'd like to know is, and this doesn't have to be a YouTuber, but who would you like to fight? And we're going to give you some time oh. to think about it. We're going to give you some time to think about it. So we'll we'll tell you ours first. So. For me, and this is definitely caveated with I'd have to bulk up and guarantee I could win, but I'd love to fight Wojciech Szczesny. Szczesny <laughs> and that's purely because, you know, you could, um, I'm a Spurs fan and you can probably yeah. work out why I want to fight him. But um, Kai, before we go to Zach, um, who would you like to fight? Chesney's massive, Joe. He's going to destroy you. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, he's... I've um... got to bulk up. I've got to yeah, get yeah. myself in good shape, you know. But, well, he's yeah. known to, what is it, smoke a cigarette or two in the in the showers, so he might not have the uh, the stamina to, to exactly, stick with you. you I'll beat him on points. Shape, yeah. I'll beat him points. Otherwise, <laughs> I, I don't think I would have to, to bulk up in particular. I don't know if either of you are familiar with Cat Williams. He's an American comedian and an actor, and he was kind of popular on that uh, Nick Cannon show, Wilding Out, for a little while. But... There's this footage of him online. He got into a fight with a 17-year-old. And when I say he got into a fight, I mean he lost a fight with a 17-year-old. Apparently, he was like playing in a local soccer game in, uh, in Georgia here in the States. 
and there's this video online you can find it if you just type in cat williams fight or whatnot but he was beaten up by a high schooler so i think that leaves me in with a decent chance of of actually winning that one against a high profile name so that would be my pick cat williams oh that leaves it with me that leaves it with me um it's hard. Like, I wish I had like beef with someone. I just, like, I just say that name, but I really, like, really, really don't. Um, I feel like it's probably got to be someone within the football community. Otherwise, it's just a bit of a weird fight. Uh, so maybe, maybe like a, a traditional journalist, like a YouTube versus traditional <laughs> media. Um, the only other one I can maybe think of is I don't know the, the, the Irish guy from HITC, but I don't really mind him. <laughs> like he, call, he calls us out every now and again, but like it, it's whatever. I have always wanted to do a fight. That is like one thing I do want to maybe do. Not even like against the YouTube, like one day um, is just do one boxing match and one boxing match only. Uh, just to see if I could do it. I, I, I did Muay Thai once oh, for a little bit. I loved it. One of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, so, so maybe one day, but uh, specifically... Oh, I really don't. I really, really don't have a, a, a name. Um, oh. Bring on all comers. Bring on all comers. Yeah, someone, someone called me out on there. I'll, I'll put the training in and because uh, I, I think I've got the body for it. Like I'm, I'm a stocky guy, like six three. Like I could, I reckon I could do all right if I try. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a mate. <laughs> Definitely couldn't take on. Maybe I'll take on one of the FD boys. But I reckon I'd, I reckon I'd win. I reckon I win out of, out of most of them. But um, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Yeah, maybe maybe the fans can have a have a certain, certain person in mind for me. There we go. Someone needs to call out Zach. Uh, <laughs> who, who, who fancies it? I, I don't think I did. You're six foot three. I don't think I'd back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, Zach, um, you're obviously well. You work for Chelsea. You are a Chelsea fan as well. So. Tell us a bit about your earliest memories of being a Chelsea supporter and why um, they're the club that you support. Yeah, um, well, so my my normally a lot of people were like their clubs are, are they're, they're local to them or their their dads or granddad supported them or whatever. Uh, but for me, that was not really the case. Like I, I moved quite a bit when I was younger, so I wasn't really local to any clubs. Um, and and my dad uh, never really supported the team. Loves football, uh, like from Africa, loves football, but never really had like a, a number one team that he supported. He always said that he used to like because they were on the news. Manchester United was one that he'd always known about, but he never. Never really supported a team in England anyway um so I didn't really have that kind of uh link and so when yeah when growing up I um I played I played centre back and, and and like at that time the, the number one centre back was John Terry and, and I absolutely adored his on the pitch um antics and and, and he was uh, uh, you know one of the best defenders to play the game and and that was really how it began then I just started loving you know Drogba like my dad's a my dad's a taxi driver um around Gatwick airport and when Drogba first landed in the country he he met Didier Drogba my dad speaks French and so like they they had a conversation one of the first conversations he had in the UK with my dad took him to Cobham um and so yeah like there's like, these little connections that all kind of added up and um and yeah, that, and, and that's how I kind of got into Chelsea and I've been loving them ever since. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit lucky because because they got, you know, they've, they've had a decent, um, decent couple of years over the past decade or two. And, uh, and yeah, now that I work for them, it's, it's really surreal. It's like a crazy, crazy dream that just um, 
I, I always say like when when I'm older or or when I'm you know have kids or whatever I'll look back on it and maybe I might not be doing it as much then or whatever um, and I think I'll realize then quite how mad it is that every other week I'm chatting to the players about you know the games and like get on with them and like um, you know going to the Champions League final like I did a couple of weeks ago like it's ridiculous it, it's all insane um, but yeah yeah no, it's it's good fun and I and I picked the right team because my brothers picked Liverpool and Arsenal and. You know, it's not been as successful. Now, as an Arsenal supporter, I can I can relate <laughs> to that all too well. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's very impressive and sounds like a lot of fun. How it's kind of come full circle your support for Chelsea into actually being able to work uh, along with the team. So we're going to talk a bit about some of your work now, Zach. And obviously, you're very active in the world of football media and content creation. And so analyzing the game and dealing with high profile personalities, but also thinking outside of the box are all things that you're very used to. Um, I'd imagine that at Football Daily, though, you probably have the most creative control compared to when you're working for Chelsea or appearing on Sky Sports, for instance. So how do those roles tend to differ? And do you typically prefer one of those experience over the others? Oh, um, you know what? They're all, I wouldn't say I, I prefer one in particular. I think they're all really... Uh, unique in their own way like for instance when it's Chelsea it's very much uh, well actually saying that Chelsea probably do give me a bit of, like a, a bit of creative control but majority of time it is turn up and you're, you're you know it's set kind of like you're doing this certain thing like we did a nerf shoot I was presenting with a nerf shoot or um, you know you're interviewing this player today maybe do a bit of research beforehand research also given to you with certain questions um, whereas yeah you mentioned Sky that is very much at the, uh, again it differs depending on what but uh, recently I've been doing some stuff for Sky Sports News and that is very much just like turn up, you'll uh, you'll be asked questions and you answer them kind of thing. Whereas you're right, with Football Daily is very much just like everything's in our creative control. It's been like that ever since I've been there. Um, so for the past, I think it's actually it's five years today um, since I've been, I've been at uh, FD. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that, that, um, that I guess has allowed us to kind of, go into things so I, I know a bit more about what's happening because I've kind of been there like I've been behind the camera I've produced it I've I say directed it but like kind of all in one uh, so then when I go to a Chelsea or when I go to a Sky Sports or whatever it is um, you have that understanding that like okay you might have to do an extra take or you might have to do uh, something a bit different because of you know it'll work better in the edit whereas someone that may not have done that stuff might not quite realize that and I think a lot of YouTubers have that I think a lot of guys that do um, YouTube uh, are very kind of understanding about all roles. They understand that uh, compared to maybe more traditional media where they've never they've never had to edit themselves or they've never had to edit something or cut something out. So if you go, can you do another take? They're like, why? What was wrong with that? Whereas normally most people that do YouTube are completely fine with it and, and actually normally end up being pretty good on camera anyway. They don't have to do uh, like a second or third take. It's not they know because they know exactly what's um, what's needed. Um, and, and so, yeah, like I wouldn't say I have a, a particular favourite, like obviously doing less work is pretty good for me, like I can't complain. Um, so if I'm not having to, you know, edit it myself or, or go in there and produce it and um, stuff like that. But I, I kind of enjoy both sides. Like I definitely enjoy the, the like being on screen side a lot more. But like part of me does quite enjoy like the coming up with the idea process and like seeing it go from literally, so at the moment, like today I was, I've been writing up an idea that hopefully will happen over the next couple of weeks um, and, and going from just like something on paper and that you discussed in meetings to hopefully doing well on YouTube. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good, good fun. And I enjoy both sides of it um, and all sides of the coin. But uh, yeah, I can't, I can't really pick a specific uh, favorite. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Otherwise, uh, you're speaking about the process. And I guess when it comes to production, uh, is there anything that you have access to now at Football Daily or any skills or techniques that you've learned down the years that sort of makes you kind of look back and judge your old content more harshly or maybe conversely makes you even more proud of what you were able to achieve in the beginning with sort of less knowledge and maybe less technical devices? Sure, 100%. I mean, like in ter- for individually, for like me personally, I knew nothing, literally nothing before FD. Like I didn't know how to edit, didn't know how to sort of like present per se or like write and stuff like this. And then FD has allowed that, me to do that. But in terms of like as FD, um, yeah, like one, getting access to some of the talent that we get we get access to. Like I remember one of the first things we did with Sky was like um, do a video with Tierra Henry. Like that just wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, and, but then more on like a production level, like using cameras that are like top, top level stuff. And I don't know if people know them, but like using cameras that are like Sony FS5s, FS7s, AS7s, um, which beforehand we weren't using. Like we were using like, um, oh God, I can't even remember, but like not that, not that level of camera, but even like studios, like before Sky, before um, that part, we were shooting in an attic on a green screen on like a, a picnic table. And then after we were able, well, before COVID and hopefully after COVID as well, um, we will uh, we'll go back to the studio where we actually had like a proper set made and and um, the, the process of the computers beforehand, it was like kind of crappy computers that took, like if it was a, I remember the boys once telling me about, they did, a, they did an edit where they were, it was exporting for something like three hours and it was only a 10 minute video, like it was, but because it had after effects, it was like rough. Um, whereas now, like that's just not not heard of. Like it's the computers, like we've got decent ones. Um, and so yeah, definitely. Like you look back on it, and it is a bit like even to be fair, even when we look back on our old videos, like we laugh because they're like comparing them to now. It's like the, even just the editing of like the green, cutting out a green screen, like, just, it's improved so much more. Um, so I think there's actually both sides. Like looking back and being like, wow, look where we've come, and but also looking back and being like. We were shit. <laughs> like we, we, you know, we weren't so good back then. Yeah, it's always funny, sort of the growing pains when you notice in when it comes to the editing, especially you're sort of like taking ten steps, and then eventually you realise that you could have done it using one piece of software. Oh, mate. Oh, so many times, so many little bits like that. So many little bits like that. But even just like help each other out. Like I remember some. You look back on some of the first videos on like um on Euro Football Daily or all that time when we were all there on Football Daily like five years ago. Like some of us like I just just like the color correction on it were just red, completely red. There's some I specifically remember one video where I'm blue. I'm so blue. Um, but like now it's just like learning like that kind of stuff. And because before like that's nothing any of us would have done. Um, it's very much kind of been like trial and error and like the fans have been able to also, all the people watching have been able to kind of see us develop that side of it. Um, and and like we, we've now done some shoots where we look back on now and we're like, wow, we've actually yeah, developed quite far. And, and very much like that's the best thing about YouTube is that like it's, or at least then, because we've developed, uh, gives you time to develop. You're able to kind of learn on the job. You're allowed trial and error. Um, but yeah, yeah, you look back at some of them, they are quite rough. <laughs> Well, you've certainly yeah, polished um, Football Daily into quite a diamond at this point, but we're going to move on from your more formal work in the media to a quick game now. And it's inspired actually by a video from your own YouTube channel outside oh, of Football Daily in which you play uh, Bamzuki against <laughs> their YouTubers, including a former guest of ours, Max Bosch. Uh, so, Zach, I guess before we jump into the game, can you actually explain 
Bamzuki to anyone who won't know what it is because I watched the video and I still don't really understand what it's oh, all. Oh, mate, Bamzuki is one of the best uh, UK children's uh, TV shows there's ever been, um, uh, along with Temple Run and Fifty Fifty. Um, but yeah, Bamzuki is basically uh, these kids would generate uh, normally be like a group of three would create these like little computer generated monsters. Um, they would then go on the show against another group of kids and they would their monsters would battle it out on challenges where it's either like who's the strongest and can push each other off. Um, other challenges would be like getting to these like points quickest in a time challenge uh, and, and little things like that. And, and yeah, in that video, I got um, a few YouTubers to, uh, to to create their own and, and come up against my ones. And um, I won't spoil it who won, but uh, yeah, it was it was good fun. And a lot of shouting was ha was happening. It looked like a really good time, and I'll probably have to try my hand at Bamsey one of these days. But I guess oh, it's a pain in the ass to build, man. Yeah. It was so <laughs> annoying to build. Like it's so because it's a program from like 04, 2004. and so like nowadays it's like a pain. But uh, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, no, it looks like a good payoff. Back to this game, and I guess inspired by the variety of competition that you'll see taking place in Bamsey, and then also by your many talents, Zach. We're going to be focusing on multi-talented footballers. So I have the names of a few footballers who have excelled in other sports and Zach and Joe need to tell me which sport that was. So it's a list of eight names for now. Uh, it's going to be like sort of if you if you think you know the answer, you go for it. If you end okay. up needing, needing clues, I can provide them. But the first player okay. who post his footballing career went into another sport is once Everton goalkeeper and England goalkeeper, Nigel Martin. So what was another sport? that he played after he hung up his boots. Is it, God. Is it like fishing or something like that? <laughs> it's that, something um... like that, in my opinion, in the sense that it's not very exciting, although I might be stepping on some people's toes when I say that. Um, oh, God. Is a, it's very English. Rounders? Nigel <laughs> <laughs> Martin, yeah, king of the rounders. No, no, it's more, it's more mainstream than any of this, at least um, especially in England. Wait, it's not sea-based or water-based in any way is it no not at all and in fact the title of his position is pretty similar to the position that he played in football cricket yes yes nigel martin cricket. wants to become a, a wicket wow a wicket keeper yeah, wicket keeper. yeah. Jesus. Yes, playing playing some local cricket so um <laughs> takes the lead moving on to i think the only name in this list who isn't yet retired and it's a player playing at the euros right now ivan perisic uh, what is another sport that he's competed in at a decent oh, level? It, like, archery. <laughs> archery. Like, that would not surprise me. Joe, any thoughts? Just because he's European and it seems to be big there, handball. Okay, you're Ooh. getting on to something. You're getting a bit closer. This is kind of like a tropical sport. Volleyball. Oh, Just tweak it slightly and you're there. Volleyball. What did you say, Joe? Beach volleyball. Beach volleyball is correct, yeah. Nicely done, nicely done. Is a he's a he, not the tallest guy though, is he? That's quite quite impressive. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, he's got good feet and good hands, I suppose. Moving on to another player with good hands, um, and I think this one this one's pretty well relatively common knowledge compared to the others. But Petr Cech, ice hockey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah ice hockey. Another keeper in ice hockey, uh, Petr yes. Cech. So Zach's gone two one up. Moving on to a, a legend of the game who had to retire because of injury, but then found his way into another quote-unquote sport. This one's a bit debatable. Uh, Gabriel Batistuta. Oh, is this darts? 
No, no. If you're thinking of like a pub sport, this is like about as far as you can get. This is like I love the idea of Batistuta just <laughs> wearing up with like Michael Van Gogh. Relating! <laughs> Argentinian beer. Um, this is like a, a very noble sport. Like you'd have to just have a ridiculous amount of money to even compete in the first place. No. Oh, what, polo? Yeah. Oh, it is yeah. polo. It's a great shout. It is polo. Yeah, nicely done. I that guess he, that kind of makes him like one of the gauchos. Just like horseback. Yeah, yeah. So that now that makes a bit more sense. Otherwise, what is that? That's, I believe, two all, two apiece at this point. Moving on to the fifth guy, and this one you'll probably both know as well, Grant Holt. WWE wrestler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grant Holt, along with um, Tim Visa, two made their way into professional wrestling. So I guess Zach retakes the lead. We've got... Another goalkeeper. It seems like all these goalkeepers are just very adept yeah. at transferring into another sport. So Santiago Canizares. Bullfighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. Basketball. This is another one of those where you might debate the, the sort of sport aspect it? to it in the sense that kind of like how Batistuta was horseback. This is um, not on an animal, but you're using... Uh, right. It's on land. Going to be on land. It's not that kind of Spanish version of squash. I don't know what it is. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, but no, it's not. It's not that. Um, yeah. This is going to be a motorsport. Oh, um, I don't know. MotoGP thing? Motorbikes or something? Or? That's what I was thinking. On I four, don't know. Four wheels. On four. Uh, oh, what's it even called? Like the, the Dal Dal is it the Dali Dali Rally? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to give it to Zach for, for the reference of rally, because, yeah, it's yeah. About rally driving. Rally driving, yeah, because also, you know, who else does that? Uh, and it, it might come up, I'm not too sure, but... Um, AVB. Uh, yeah, AVB, on Rivers Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's not, he hasn't made the list, but um, I guess it's a popular sport for, for these guys who are <laughs> yeah, living in southwest Europe yeah. into eventually. Um, but we've got a couple more. And I think Zach's a couple a couple points ahead. So, Joe, you oh, need both yeah. of these. Uh, we've got, gosh, I, I don't know if anyone knows how to say this guy's first name. Bicente, Bicente, Lizarazu. Oh, judo or some sort of martial that, arts. Yeah, that counts. Jiu-jitsu. Oh, smashed it. Yeah. I knew that for some reason. That was That's good. That's good. So, yeah, jiu-jitsu. Like, Lizarazu, definitely nobody who you would want to have, have boxed in our kind of hypothetical <laughs> who would we fight game. <laughs> This is either for Zach to take the W or for it to be a nice diplomatic draw. Ooh. And probably the biggest legend on this list, Paolo Maldini. Oh, God. Oh, something classy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. I you, it, yeah, it would not be surprised. Ten yeah, if, yeah. You, you're probably right. Is it, Joe said tennis. Oh, does Joe in there first with tennis? Yeah, Joe's correct. It yeah, smashed it. Well done, Joe. Very good. Very good, Matt. Yeah, draw, that kind of works out well for all. Fair that. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well done, Joe. Well done, Zach. Very impressed with your sort of knowledge or even just kind of how you how you figured it out based off of if you didn't know in the first place. You kind of like gauged <laughs> their personalities and I think you honed in pretty quickly. So well done. Thank nice. you. Thank you very much. Nice. I'm just gutted. Um, I'll give you one random fact that Matt Grimes, captain of Swansea City, he used to play ultimate frisbee for like England under 15 or something like that. Oh, wow. Random. Yeah, that's one of the more, more random ones out there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Matt Grimes aside, um, I think we're going to have to talk about a team that I potentially dislike even more than Arsenal. I mean, Zach, you're a lovely guy, but I'm, I'm not a fan of Chelsea. But we're going to talk <laughs> about them. So, you, you mentioned it earlier, Zach, actually, that you, um, 
you were out in Porto for Chelsea's mm. Champions League victory. And look, Mental. as a as a fan to see your team win the Champions League lag, it, it's one thing. But in the times we're living in, it's almost oh. like it's a gift. So um, I know you also, you know, you, you you work for Chelsea as well. But um, just just describe the experience to us of um, seeing the team you support win the Champions League live at the stadium. Uh, I've never understood when people be like, oh, it felt like a dream and like, stuff like that. But that whole t- trip, like the second I took off to when I came back into England was like a dream, like this weird, weird thing that I couldn't even imagine. Um, and like, obviously I was working at the finals. So like I was shooting constantly. And so um, where I actually was, was in the media bit where like all the journalists are writing and all this kind of stuff. And everyone, there's so many, great right? Because so many international journalists there as well. Um, and so I remember when I like, have scored, like I'm going crazy, but I'm also like looking around, I'm like no one else's. <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? So it's like this weird thing. But I, and I was like, am I allowed to be celebrating like this? Am I going to get chucked out? But then to the left of me were the Chelsea fans and you know, I was going get chucked out, so it's good. Um, but it was so surreal because because the whole time, like around, I obviously had said like I think Chelsea going to win the, win the Champions League, blah blah blah. That was like the supporter in me, but like the realistic, the, the realist in me, and, and I'm happy to admit it was like uh, we were we were two years at least, maybe three years ahead of what was kind of expected from this team. It's such a young team, um, and so like I went there being like. As long as we do a good performance, you know, if we lose 2-1, we lose 1-0. And I'm happy I thought this and not the players or Thomas Tuchel, Jesus. But I was like, as long as we, you know, we do a good performance, we show our best I don't, and we lose, I don't mind. Like, uh, we, we have done so incredibly well to get here. Um, but then, like, once you're there, you're thinking, like, oh, my God, imagine if we win this. Like, imagine if we win this. And you're right, like, the whole experience of Porto and that, because I'd, I'd, I'd never really known much about Porto. And I went there. It's a beautiful city. Like, I'd happily go back on holiday there. The food, the people, the drink there was un- incredible. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, like, it was so surreal to, to see your club. Because 2012, I'd watched it at home. Um, and, and like, I don't know if it's that like, I've watched so much football when I've watched 2012 on TV, but like seeing it in person just didn't feel real. And like seeing like other players like Mason Mount, who'd only, you know, been in the squad for two years, but he's been so incredibly important and vital. Um, and like, a, and like this, this team that was kind of like, had a good season, but also a bad season as well. Like obviously Frank Lampard had left midway through and, and you know, so many changes ups and downs during the season. Uh, win the Champions League in front of my eyes was like, it was, it was just my brain just wasn't computing it. And then like, I've seen them lift it and then, and then had to like run off to go do a, do a shoot or like a, the live show for Chelsea. And so like, it, it was this weird, weird, weird thing where I just couldn't quite get my, my head around it. And even to like, to this day, I still like thinking back to it, I'm just like, whoa. We, we've won the Champions League. And you're right, because of COVID times and everything, it, I think that also played into it because there was like a half-empty stadium. You wouldn't have known. The fans were incredible, or at least, you know, being biased, the Chelsea fans were incredible. Um, but it was like so, so surreal. Even like I, even the players, like I spoke to I spoke to Mason, uh, Mason Mount after the game um, with, his, with his brother. And I was like, how does it feel? And he was like, it's mental it was like it's so surreal like you can't even imagine um like the, the best players right always think that they want to win the champions league one day no one ever thinks they're going to do it at 22 years old right <laughs> and, and and he did that i remember even before like going there i remember saying it was like either phil foden is going to win the champions league at 21 or mason mount is going to win it at 22 both both cases looks incredible um but yeah yeah as i said like surreal like a dream um and just something that like I, I in no no place in my mind ever thought I would go to a Champions League final, you know, let alone to see my own club go there, let alone to even go and see them win it. 
Um, so to have all of that happen, uh, and as you said, during a time where like even less people are, are as fortunate to go, um, yeah, like it, it's crazy. And like I realised how fortunate I was and everything. And I, and I hope I did, you know, a good job with the uh, with the content that we were making out there. But yeah, so so crazy, and it will be something that like I'll think about forever uh, until you know I'll take it to the grave. It'll be my best. I'm not. I don't have kids yet. I'm not married yet, and I can safely say it is the best thing I've ever done and ever had happen in my life. Well, I better get married or have some kids quickly because Arsenal <laughs> have disappointed in, the, in that regard as far as winning the Champions League. I know Joe as a Spurs fan can relate to that. The only finals that I've been to were when we lost 2-1 to uh, Chelsea. Abu Dhabi kicked John Terry in the face. Theo Walcott Ooh. scored his first goal. And then the other time was when we lost... Oh, it's just painful even to bring up when we lost to Birmingham in the Carling Cup final somehow. <laughs> I've got bad luck. I should just stay away, stay far away from these cups. Mate, so do I. So do I. So like, if I, so I don't wear Chelsea shirts when watching football games because anytime I've watched, wear, worn a Chelsea shirt, we lose. So I don't wear Chelsea shirts. I have them. Do not wear them when Chelsea are playing. And I also, before before the final, I've gone. I've seen Chelsea play like I don't know twelve times. I've only seen them win live in person twice. And so I was like, I'm a bad omen here. And I was like, okay, uh, what what am I going to do here? And so like the suit that I was wearing to this final. Whenever we've got a final one, I'm wearing it. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm not really a superstitious person, but this I am. Um, and so, so yeah, I was like petrified that it's like because even like people, like fans, have been like, Zach, are you going to the final? If you are, don't. And I was like, well, I really want to go. Um, and so yeah, no, thankfully, I think that um, that uh, omen has uh, been destroyed now. Yeah, yeah, you've broken the curse, and <laughs> yeah. yes, we'll all look forward to seeing you suited up at, at finals. To <laughs> otherwise, um, I guess now that you have you know, won the Champions League. Chelsea have gone and done it for the second time since the turn of the millennium. It puts you again in a, you know, last time you went out and what got Eden Hazard, this puts you in another good position to kind yeah. of strengthen moving into the next campaign. So what what sort of do you, what would you like to see? What are you expecting to see as far as ins and outs at Stamford Bridge this summer? And then from there, what should the club's expectations be for next season? Um, I think you word that quite nicely because what what would I want to see is that there's only one one name realistically and that's Erling Haaland. Like uh, he he is the there aren't many strikers right now that you can get and and be quite comfortable that they will do well for you. There's off the back of my hands like. If you could get Benzema, he'd be fantastic, um, even though he's 33. If you could get Romelu Lukaku, he would be great. That's just not happening. And Erling Haaland is the only guy that you, you look at and, and go like, this guy is going to be, be brilliant for you for, de for a decade or so. Um, but realistically, that's just, I just don't see that happening. I would love to, and I'd give anything to happen. And, and actually I'm probably more convinced now than I was two weeks ago since these rumors and, and the talk about him uh, that Chelsea are kind of possibly willing to, to, to pay uh, the 150 million or whatever it is for him. And I, if I'm, if I'm Chelsea and, and I say this, having knowing nothing behind the scenes, I live out there, I know nothing. Uh, but if I am Chelsea, I would go, okay, I would rather pay 150 million now than 60 or 80, whatever his release clause is next summer. Um, and risk him going to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, or whatever. Um, because the idea that this guy, like, he, he is so good and he takes you from a contender in the Premier League, in the Champions League, to the favourite. Because Chelsea's squad is really, really good. Like, it's a very young squad. And I think there might be some turnover over the coming years. And I even read reports today from Goal saying that apparently even if this Haaland deal doesn't happen this summer, like it's setting a good relationship to possibly maybe try and get Bellingham in a couple of years. Like at the moment, I feel like Chelsea basically just need to sign the 
the Dortmund squad. Like the some, some players from Dortmund squad, that's it. Uh, because I think they're, they're quite well stocked in their academy and in their um, and, and and who they already have. Like they're a fairly young squad. Um, like the old players are cons- aren't even that old, really. Like Rudiger's still in his late twenties, and he's considered more one of the more experienced guys. Um, so so that would be my, as I said, like my dream as i said realistically i don't think we'll quite get him i don't necessarily think we need a striker like it'd be fantastic but i don't necessarily think like we've done okay this season without one night and and yes timo Werner's output hasn't been great but i was reading um i was reading a, a stat where it's like someone that has had that has um out uh, that has underperformed the XG like Timo Werner has, has actually gone on and smashed it the next season every single time. It was something about like, he went and improved by 40% the next season in the worst case scenario, which like, I'm kind of hoping for Timo Werner, we can see that Kai Havertz can play up front. So I don't think that position is as, as like desperate. If you can't get Lukaku and Haaland, then I don't think it's worth like risking it on Andre Silva, who's had a great season at Frankfurt, but like at AC Milan wasn't so good. So like risking it on someone like that, I think he could potentially be a good striker, but I don't think it's worth the risk. What I would maybe say is, um, I honestly find it really difficult. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Chelsea need to go and buy someone. Like I, I think um, there's a possibility Chelsea might sell a few players, um, depending what they want to do with Billy Gilmore. If they want him to get into the first team next season, uh, and maybe they, uh, they get in, they might sell one of Cover or Jorginho to try and make room for uh, Billy to get more minutes. Um, but it, it's, it's hard because Chelsea are quite stocked, and and, and even when they're not stocked. Um, say like defence, you think they might need to buy a buy-in centre-back. Like Mark Gehi has had a brilliant season at Swansea. I don't think he's going to come in and be that guy just yet this season. He might need a, a Premier League loan, but like Conor Gallagher had a good time at um, West Brom. Again, don't think he's going to come in and start, but he might have to go on loan again. So there are players there that I think Chelsea can use over this the um, the the you know next year or two. Whereas, because I think Chelsea, most of their business in the summer gone, like we brought in six players, seven players. Um, and so like, I don't necessarily think there's a position that's crying out for a, um, a, a player, but look, if I can, yeah, Erling Haaland is, is the guy that I want. Um, I think I've kind of like gone in a circle there just to come back to saying Erling Haaland, even though I said that I don't think it will happen. But um, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the guy for me. I mean, yeah, why, why, why wouldn't you want Erling Haaland at Stamford Bridge? And uh, as you're talking there, it all sounds worryingly positive at Chelsea. <laughs> Tottenham and, well, Arsenal as well for both of us. Sadly, that well, is not the case. There were rumours about Kane. Like, I, mate, I take him every day of the week for sure. But even I know that even the most optimistic Chelsea fan knows it's just not possible unless we're giving you 200 million. Yeah, I mean, that would genuinely break my heart. <laughs> And let's just hope that that situation does not happen. <laughs> but um, we've got one final thing to do on this podcast, and we like to um, we like to build starting 11s. So um, okay. you won't probably be surprised to find out that the starting 11 today is going to be Euros themed. Um, so what we're going to do is we are going to create a team where it's going to include players who are all playing in this Euros tournament, but you can only have one player per nation so we have to be a little bit creative and um, we're going to go with a 4-3-3 formation um uh-huh. and we will start with the goalie um if you're stuck for choices i can provide some suggestions but first of all i'll just throw it out there to zach and kai who who's a, who's a goalie you'd think about putting in but bear in mind once you use a player from a nation that's the only one from that nation 
I think we have to go for a goalkeeper here from a nation that is more obs- obscure because we can't we can't be wasting a Germany or a France in goal here. And I think they're like Galashi, you know, he's good enough to go in goal for us. We're not really going to be needing the Hungarian outfield, are we? Um, I feel like I'm, I'm just trying to think if I'm missing out on anyone else, Kai. I'm just wondering if we might be able to get away with like a Donnarumma in terms of are we gonna are we gonna need an outfielder from Italy? I, I'm thinking already possibly in the defense that we we might, but. I'm happy. Galashi's a top. He's a top bloke, you know. So, and he played for I think randomly Liverpool ages he ago. He did. He um, did. Yeah, so, he um, did. yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Why not just start it off with kind of yeah, an obscure one? Yeah, that's good. good. Okay, so we've got our goalkeeper Galashi, a Hungarian number one. Let's move on to right backs now. Um, yeah, if yeah, again, if you guys want to throw out names, go for it. If you get stuck, I've got a few names noted down, so I can maybe you know provide some suggestions if need. I'm just getting up the. I'm, going to, I'm forgetting which nations in it, so I'm having to uh, quickly Google <laughs> and just make sure I've got everyone. Um, okay, right back is interesting. Mm. Someone like a, a Denzel Dumfries from the Netherlands has kind of gotten off to a good start, but Zach seems to have some some opinions on that. See, I was more just thinking. <laughs> I quite like a Frankie De Jong midfield. Ah, I quite like a Frankie De Jong midfield compared to. Uh, could, could, um, this could be where we might use Italy, you know. Who's Italy's right back? It is it's um, the one Florenzi. Florenzi. Yeah, he's actually not that great. <laughs> um, so, so, so maybe not, maybe not him. Um, Who's Germany's best player? I think Kip Kimmich's got to be up there. Kimmich, oh. Yeah, he's um, he's someone I had noted down. Yeah, I know they lost last night. Yeah, I mean, he's just a great footballer, Kimmich, yeah, I, isn't he? I almost Kimmich. feel like he could be the guy. I actually, I'm with you there. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Like out of all the of all of their players, there are other nations we can use better players in other positions. I think so. Yeah, I think Kimmich. I think Kimmich is a great shout. Nice. Okay, Joshua Kimmich is our right back. So now we've got to pick two centre halves. Um, who are we going with? I mean, I, I think I might just throw out a name. Oh, it's tricky actually because if you play Ruben Diaz, then there's a certain attacker oh. you can't play in. But um, Kai, you, yeah, Kai, any any names to throw out just to get us going with the centre backs? It's maybe on like the edge of it being not the best pick, but I think he's still pretty good. So maybe I'll divert to back to Italy here with someone like Chiellini. Oh, okay. I like Chiellini, and I was going to say Christensen here. Oh, okay. okay. You're wearing your Chelsea cap. Wearing my Chelsea cap. I'm also trying to save our save our attacking play, like the bigger nations to be attacking players. Like I'll happily, I'll happily use an Italy here and a Chiellini. Okay. Um, and, a, and and I was thinking maybe then we can get rid of Denmark and then we've still got the likes of France, England, um, and, and, and the other boys to kind of use yeah. later on. Let's do that. Nice. Okay. Experienced heading Chiellini and then a slightly younger centre back in Christensen. We'll um, we'll go with that. The two C's, the two CHs even. Um, right. Left back now. One. There is someone who I feel is a bit of a shoe-in for this, and he is Scott. Well, actually, there's potentially two Scottish guys, but I'm just going to go out there and say, can we look beyond Andrew Robertson for this left-back role? Yeah, stick him in there. Stick him in there. There's no one else to pick him from Scotland. Come on, let's be quite serious. Maybe Billy Gilmore, but that's, that is my Chelsea hat on. I think we've missed a trick then in that case. If Robbo's going to be left-back, then surely one of the centre-backs should have been David Alaba. Yeah, very true. Right, okay. Well, I think then Christensen's been relegated to the bench. So, David Alaba, welcome yeah. to this um, 
to this side. I'm sure he, he is over the moon right now, wherever he is. Um, right, we've got our defence, but we've got three midfielders, and we'll, we'll start with getting a, a defensive midfielder in there. Um, who who are we going to put in at defensive mid? That's so, I don't think we I don't think we can use France. I don't think we can use Kante just because up top I want to use. Mbappe. Mbappe. I love it. I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. Best DM, of course, Kante. But I think we should we should be getting Kylian Mbappe that makes there. Sense. Makes That's sense. Um, I can throw a name out. Now that um, Christensen is not no longer in the team, I can throw a Tottenham name in Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, um, the Danish player, of course. Um, Kai, have you got any anyone else to um, maybe consider for that role? It's hard because if... Frankie de Jong is going to be one of the other centre midfielders, and I've got I've got someone who has to be the the other centre mid. Um, so it's it's tricky. Um, who's your Who's your other centre mid? L- Luka Modric has to be in. This oh, see, I was thinking we got to get KDB in there. Oh, it's, this yeah. is there's so many difficult decisions to be made. I mean, is there a way um, that we could have a three of de Jong, De Bruyne, and Modric? And yeah, let's just tell let's yeah. just tell de Jong to put, put a bit more defensive work in, mate. Yeah, Come yeah. On. In a quarterback role. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. De Jong, De Bruyne, and then maybe for the purposes of this team, De Modric. But no, so <laughs> just Modric on this occasion. Okay, we've got our um, our midfield three. This is where, <laughs> I mean, there's the few that we've saved a few till. I mean, like we, yeah. Mbappe's going in there, so I'm just, that's that's done. Mbappe is one of our front three. Um, we... We're sticking Ronaldo in there, I assume. But what do you guys think? I mean, I I, I think we put we have to put Ronaldo in there, but I also think I want Harry Kane in there. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe I know he's not on the left and Mbappe. Yeah, on. exactly. I know he's not playing on the left for a little while, Ronaldo. We're saying, come on, mate, do do one for the team here. You know, yeah. Get out there. You're, you can come in a little bit if you need to. And if we end up playing a bit of a a four three one two, Mbappe drops into a bit of a creative midfielder role. Who knows? Uh, then then so be it. But I think yeah, Ronaldo has to go left wing and Harry Kane up top. Great. Okay. Well, I mean that that is our team then. It is. We've done pretty well to be fair. We've got Galashi in goal. We've got Kimmich at right back. We've got Alaba and Kalini um, at centre backs. Good old Andrew Robertson at left back, and then a pretty damn good midfield three of Frankie De Jong, Kevin De Bruyne, and Luka Modric, and then maybe an even better front three: <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Kane, and Kylian Mbappe. Wow, what a team that is! Um, I think that actually went rather well. Showed there's a lot of good footballers at the Euros. And we'll be watching a lot of that over the next couple of weeks, but. Last year, I'd be laughing. Yeah, I mean, I was, actually, I was just thinking then, maybe, maybe you go Casper Schmeichel. I was actually just thinking, maybe if you get, get him out, go Casper Schmeichel. Yeah, he's pushing. He, I mean, he, he's certainly pushing Peter for that starting mm. role. They're, they're, they're in the training camp, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're working hard for that spot. Um, well, we'll leave it with Peter for now. I think we've got his hopes up. We've already, um, we've already yeah. disappointed one day in Andreas Christensen as well. So we can't do it to Casper as well. I think that would be too much um, for them. <laughs> But sadly, that um, that does um, bring us to the end of today's podcast. So, as always, um, a big thank you to my co-host, Kaitel. And then an even bigger thank you from the both of us to our wonderful guest, Zach Delab. Zach, um, yeah, I'll know. Thank you, Zach. We hope you've enjoyed being our guest. And also, how can our listeners best follow you? And um, what projects are you working on at the moment? 
Um, yes, uh, my name, Zach Jellub, uh, is basically how you find me on anything and everything, um, even on Facebook, but don't add me there, please, because that's just for my friends and family. Um, uh, if you're on LinkedIn, do it, screw it, why not? Uh, but yeah, uh, Football Daily is also where I post a lot of uh, content talking about football, surprisingly. Uh, Chelsea's official YouTube channel and all their Instagram stuff, I also do stuff on there, and um, I do have bits and bobs, as I said. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll probably tweet it so you can see it that way. That sounds good. Thanks again, Zach. An absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Really enjoyed that. As far as our listeners and viewers, we hope that you enjoyed that as well. And if you did, please do follow or subscribe wherever it is that you found us. We are United Mates Football Podcast on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Same name on YouTube where you can put some faces to the voices. On social media, we're at United Mates FP across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll be posting all of our new podcast episodes, interviews, and articles there. Otherwise, for all of the above content in one place, check out the website, unitedmatesfp.com, and subscribe to our newsletter while you're at it. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.